And, and, and so in life, it's not governed that everything is going to be easy. It's not governed that, listen to what I'm saying, that those that believe in God are always going to do what they're supposed to be doing. It's not a solid thing in our life that we always do everything right. But people, governors, by the things we do wrong, and is evidence that we're Hope you enjoy our pastor's message. I'm Brother Michael Williams. Thank you for listening. We pray you were enlightened spiritually by our radio broadcast. If you would like a copy of our service or support us by donation, write us at Bethany Ministry Center, P.O. Box 6764, Alexandria, Louisiana. 71307 or call us at 318-561-0064 and leave a message. Join us next Saturday at 12.15 p.m. K-A-Y-T 88.1 FM 70,000 watts of gospel power. power Beaming on the blue mountains of Mississippi And the flat plains of West Texas And the beaches and bayous of Louisiana K-A-Y-T 88.1 FM Welcome to Living by the Word with Greg Tejada pastor of the Word Christian Center in Alexandria, Louisiana. I invite you to stay tuned as I share a powerful message from God's Word that will change your life. It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And now, here's today's message. We've been talking for the last three weeks about keys to having a happy family. And last week I shared some keys with you. I talked to you about first love and first works. Now, in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 2, we see that Jesus commended the church in Ephesus for their works, for their labor, for their patience, even for their ability to discern true apostles from false, from false prophets, and he even complimented them on their consecration in that he said, you're not able to bear those that are evil. And he said, and you also hate the doctrine of the Nicolaitans. And their doctrine was that you didn't have to be totally consecrated to love God, that you kind of lived the way you wanted to live. There's you know, that really deep, sincere consecration to God wasn't necessary. And I'm going to tell you, that doctrine and that spirit is still in the world. That spirit of the Nicolaitans says that it don't take all that to serve God. We might have some Nicolaitans right in here today. You might be a Nicolaitan and don't even know it. If you're not committed 100% to God in your heart, and you think that all that church ain't necessary? It don't take all that to serve God. You ain't got to read your Bible all the time. You ain't got to be in church. 
you know, God understands, you know, you can live the way you want to live. It's all right. God love everybody. That's that doctrine. And Jesus said, you hate their doctrine, which I also hate. Because it keeps people in bondage and it keeps people from having God's best in their life. When the Lord wants to really pour out his spirit upon you. And when you hold those type of thoughts and attitudes toward God, then you can never receive his fullness. You can't get his fullness as long as you're not willing to totally surrender your entire life to God. When the scripture says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding in all your ways, acknowledge him. I just requote how I quote that scripture. I say, trust in the Lord with 100% of your heart. That's what that means. 100%. In all your ways, in 100% of your ways. Everybody say 100%. 100%. See, when he say all, what does all mean? All means completely. All means everything. All means nothing is excluded. So that's 100%. So when I say it, it kind of makes me check. Am I trusting God with 100% of my heart? Or am I really just trusting with 90%? 80% trust. I'm going to tell you, he wants 100% of your faith. A hundred percent. Amen. And we saw also a principle that we can use in marriages between husbands and wives. We saw a principle that, that Jesus had seven compliments and one thing that he said that he didn't like about them. One of the principles of first love is that you always compliment and encourage and lift up more than you find fault. And that's what happens in marriages sometimes is that when a husband or wife can do no right in their mate's eyes, they just give up trying. Because when the criticism outweighs the compliments, then people are moved into a place of hopelessness and say, well, you know, it just don't matter what I do. I just can't please that woman. I just can't please that man. And so we see that the, the principle here is that if, you, if you're going to find fault with your mate, you ought to at least find at least five or six good things you can say about them. And if you say, well, Pastor, I can't find nothing, I can't find nothing good to say about them. I'm going to tell you, we really got a problem here. We got a problem. Because you are in a self-destructive mindset that you will destroy your marriage and your family one brick at a time, one word at a time. You'll be pulling bricks out of the foundation when all you do is find fault and when all you do is criticize. Amen? So you just can't be critical all the time. There needs to be compliments like, and then when we talk about first love and first works, first works, when you're doing your first works, when you fall in love, there's a, there's a first works experience that you have with the Lord. Amen. When you first fall in love with Jesus, there's certain things that you are inwardly motivated to do, like read your Bible, go to church, tell other people about Jesus, give and share everything you got. You just want to tell the world about Jesus, right? Those are the first works, you know, giving. I mean, I mean, the moment that you hear the truth, and you're convicted by the Holy Ghost, you just make adjustment. And you just change. That was the first work. Quick to change. Quick to repent. Quick to forgive. These are the first works. And Jesus told them, even though they had done a lot of good things, and he had complimented them, he said, yet I have somewhat against you. You have left your first love. 
He said, you don't love me like you used to love me. And he said, and I don't like that about you. And he had a lot of good things to say, but he said, your love for me, your affection for me. He said, now that is one thing I'm not going to tolerate you losing. Right? He said, now I'm going to tell you how to get it back. He said, remember from whence you've fallen. In other words, remember how it used to be. Remember what you used to do. Remember, go back and remember how you fell in love with Jesus. And then remember what you used to do. Then he said, repent, change your mind, quit doing what you're doing, and I want you to go back and start doing the things you used to do when you first fell in love with me. Praise God. And when you do, then his presence comes back in your life. Like I shared last week, it won't necessarily be the same experience. Actually, it'll be much richer. But you got to go back to that starting place, and the Lord will meet you at that place and give you a whole nother experience with him. How many of you know that things never grow old with God? Amen. So you go back and you do those first works, and then he said, he said, now, if you don't do this, I'm going to remove your candlestick. That's how important it is. The candlestick represented the church, the assignment that that church had been given. He said, I'll take your assignment from you. Praise God. So we said that if you're going to have a, a strong marriage, a strong family, then Jesus had to be put back in the center. You had to go back to your first love and not worry about what your mate's doing. You got to center yourself back up. Get yourself right before you try to pull the, the speck out of somebody else's eye. Get the beam out your own eye. Get that big log, that tree trunk. Out your own eye before you try to take that little splinter out of somebody else's eye. Right? You know you can't see clear when you got a log in your own eye. <laughs> How you going to see the splinter? You know, this is what Jesus said, you know. All right. Then we talked about remembering those first works. There's also a first love relationship that a man and a woman have together when you first fell in love. And you got all shook up. Your world got rocked. How many of y'all remember that? We, we've already gone over that. We covered that ground. If I, if I get over there today, we ain't going to get back. So we want to move forward. But what I told you last week, first of all, recover your first love for Jesus. That is primary. Your relationship with God is the most re important relationship that you can ever have in life is your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So you got to center back up on him. And then for all the married folks that are here, then you have to go back and, and use the same principle in your relationship and remember how it was when you first met your husband, your wife, while you were dating. And then you go back and you start doing those first works again. And from that place, God will cause you to fall in love all over again. As I mentioned to you last time, over the years, I've fallen in love with CC. I don't know, maybe a half a dozen times or more. That just, you know, sometimes just looking at her. Just seeing it at her. Sitting next to me or watching her work. Doing something, I just look at it and admiration will rise up in my heart again. And I fall in love. I think we've fallen in love with each other more than one time. 
And see, that's what happened in a lot of relationships is that that first love, they let it die. When first love died, you stopped doing the first works. That's how your first love died. You stopped doing first works. You stopped dating. You stopped, you know, calling. You stopped showing appreciation. When you're dating, you can't find fault, can you? Everybody else can find fault with him, but you bet you hey, don't talk about him. Right? You can't see no wrong. Right? Everybody say they just love struck. They can't see all that flaws that man got. Because they in love. <laughs> Praise God. Amen. So that was the instruction that I gave you last week. Recover your first love. Today I want to take us, I want to take us deeper into this relationship. The word today just doesn't apply to husbands and wives. It really has a, a very broad application that covers everybody. Because we have a lot of single people here that still desire to be married and to have companionship. And what I shared with you last week was, is that you need to focus on your first love with Jesus and letting God prepare you and get you ready for that husband or that wife. Amen. You don't want to be undone when God bring that person in. Okay. And I told you that I was just 21 years old, 22 years old, and I totally surrendered my life to God. I've been single before. People think married folks can't understand single people. The thing is that all, all married folks was once single. We've all dealt with the same pressures that you deal with. We deal with the same temptations. We dealt with them before we got married. We had to walk the same walk you're walking. And I'll just tell you what worked for me was that I said, Jesus, I want to get as close to you as I can. I want to focus on you. You know, I don't have no distractions in my life now. And whenever you think that I'm ready for a wife, bring her in my life. When you think I can handle the responsibility of being a man and, and being a husband to a woman, then bring her to me. And that's exactly what he did. When a woman marries a man of God, she marries a plan. Glory to God. All right. I ain't going to get many amens on that. <laughs> but Hebrews 13, 14 says that, that marriage is honorable and the marriage bed undefiled. Now, when you look up that word honorable, it means precious, especially dear, held in honor and esteemed worthy. So the way I read that scripture to myself, I make a confession out of that scripture. I say, my marriage is honorable, precious, especially dear, held in honor and esteemed worthy in every way. And my marriage bed undefiled and kept free from anything that would not make it a blessing. Praise God. That's where I read that. So when I talk about my marriage, my marriage is honorable. It's precious to me. It's especially dear. It's held in honor. It's esteemed worthy in every way. My marriage to my wife is especially dear to me. It's held in honor. I took my marriage vows very serious. And I made commitments at that altar. That I'm believing God every day for grace to fulfill them. To keep my promise and to keep the promises that I made to my wife. Amen. How I many you know that it ain't always good? There's always peaks and valleys in any relationship, but you have to keep working. 
Now, we're getting some meat right now. Go to Ephesians 4.27 because the Lord shared this with me. And he said, now, I want you to take these scriptures here and I want you to, to apply them to the marriage relationship. And at the same time, you'll be helping the whole church. Praise God. Ephesians 4. Go back up to verse number 22. We're going to read all the way down to the last verse then. Verse 32 and then maybe maybe verse 1 of the of the fifth chapter. It says that you put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. One thing we know about the old man, he corrupt. He he really just ain't no good. You know, your flesh just ain't no good. There's part of you just ain't no good. It's part of you just rotten to the core. Just bad. And when that's the only part of your life that you let other people see, then people don't like you. Because flesh is downright nasty. Mean. Ugly. Corrupt. All right. He said, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness, wherefore putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be angry and don't sin. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hand the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that need it. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace to the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. And let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Even as God, for Christ's sake, have forgiven you, be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also have loved us, and have given himself an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling fragrance. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you. Amen. Not one time. Hallelujah. All right. Y'all can read the rest of that. So I'm going back. I'm going back to the fourth chapter here. Now I'm going to give you some principles right here for building a strong relationship. You get your first love back. Right. But a lot of times you can't get first love back because there's a lot of stuff standing in the way. There's a lot of old hurts. There's there's been bruises, wounds. You know, there's, there's been words spoken, there's been damage done, you know, there's been bricks pulled out of the foundation, and you need to start putting the right bricks back in the foundation. So I'm not going to tell you that this is a totally painless process. I'm going to tell you you're going to have to work. Yeah. Amen. But it's worth working for. See, I believe my marriage is worth fighting for. I done spent 30 years training CC. <laughs> How to respond to me. Why I want to start over with somebody else that somebody else been training? <laughs> right? Done learn all their tricks. I, I shouldn't go there. I shouldn't go there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. She has spent 30 years training me to recognize what she wants when she wants without saying anything. You know, she's been, she's invested all this time 
And I say, if you're going to live together, all right, every husband, wife, in, if you say you're going to live together for the rest of your life, why make it miserable? Everybody ought to be working to make their marriage the best it can be if you ain't planning on divorcing. I told you, over 50% of the people statistically get divorced. So that means 50%, about that amount, stay married, but how many of them is unhappy? Probably 50% of the marriages that don't break up is unhappy. Just a, a war zone. I say if you're going to live together, then do everything. Both people ought to just lay everything down. We're going to both fall in love with Jesus, and we're going to build a life that's going to be pleasing. We're going to enjoy our time on this earth. Praise God. All right, here are the principles right here. All right, now look at the, the first principle is a, a reconnect with God or a strengthening of your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, put on the new man. He's talking about new ideas, a new way to live. He's talking about you repenting from your old sins. You know, repent means to change your mind for the better. It means to make different choices in life. It means you're going down one path, you're on one track. It means that you're making about face and you go in the opposite direction. That's what repent means. And there is no gospel without repentance. I'm going to tell you right now. Jesus said, repent and believe the gospel. That means change how you live in. You just can't say, I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And keep living like you're living. Paul told the Corinthian church, he said, am I going to cry and weep over y'all when I come? Because some of y'all have not repented from your old sins. You say you're saving, you're still living, that's like the devil. No, there's got to be a change. Jesus said, repent. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Put on a new man. Listen, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. That man on the inside is a brand new person that has never sinned against God. That inner man, that person on the inside, that's the real you that's born again, does not want to sin. And that's why when you get saved and you keep sinning, that's why you can't get no peace in it. That's why you ain't never happy sinning. I'm going to tell you the most miserable person on the face of the earth is a backslidden Christian. Who know he's not living up to his potential. Put on the new man. Then first principle. Be honest. Say, put away lying. See, what happened? Husband and wife start lying to each other, shading the truth, telling little white lies, not being honest. You know, I told y'all that time, Cece asked me to do something for it. It had a, it had a time that I had to do it by 5 o'clock. And I got busy, and I, I didn't mean to forget, but I forgot. And I was on my way home. And I stopped at a, at a stop sign and remembered. I said, oh, no, I forgot to do what she told me to do today. And then I thought immediately what was going to happen when I stepped in the house. <laughs> I said, Cece going to be so upset. And I'm going to tell you, there's a little devil in my car. Right. <laughs> little devil came right in the car. He take advantage of all kind of little opportunities he have. He said, just tell her a lie. I said, okay, what I'm going to tell her. He said, 
tell her this. And I thought, I said, uh-uh, she ain't going to believe that one. So, so he gave me another one. He gave me another one. I thought about that. I said, well, you could just say this. Tell, tell her this. And say, mm, no, nah, she ain't going to believe that. And you got any more? <laughs> <laughs> the devil will help you sin. <laughs> so... Then the Holy Spirit, because God always makes a way of escape out of every temptation. Then the Holy Spirit spoke up and said, just tell her the truth. He said, didn't you put on the belt of truth this morning in your devotion time? I put on the belt of truth. Glory to God. I got the armor of God, the full armor on and was getting ready to unstrap it and lay it down for a moment. Go tell that lie and then step back into that belt of truth again. <laughs> he said, just tell her the truth. I said, okay, Lord. Uh, I said, but Lord, she's going to be upset. This is really important to her. Tell her the truth. So I went in. I went in the house. I said, okay, I got my belt of truth on. I'm tell the truth. Be honest. I walked in. I said, Cece. I said, what you asked me to do today, I forgot. I just forgot. I'm so sorry. She said, oh, it's okay. You can do it tomorrow. <laughs> I said, what? I mean, fingernails didn't pop out. <laughs> you know, the, 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 the claw didn't come out. <laughs> Not that she have any, but I'm talking about your claws. I ain't talking about hers. I'm talking about them claws that pop out of your hand when you can't handle it. When you can't handle the truth. You can't handle the truth. Toenails pop out. Some of y'all mean. Says, all right, I'll get him tonight. And you rush, take them toenails and scratch that mane up all night long. The mane look like he got, like, a, been sleeping with a cat. I ain't gonna never get through these principles if y'all don't stop. Huh? <laughs> First one, you gotta keep the belt of truth on. Be honest with your mate. Live honestly with people. If you tell the truth, you ain't got to remember that lie you told. You know, if you tell the truth, it's still the truth two weeks from now. You tell a lie, you might not can remember what you said two weeks ago. What, what lie I told her two weeks ago? I know what the truth is, but what was that lie I told her? Listen, you'd be better off just tell the truth, put it out there, just and lay, and just lay yourself in the, in the hands of the Lord. Just throw yourself on God's mercy and just tell the truth. That's what that scripture say. Put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. We are members one of another. Especially if you're husband and wife, you're definitely members of one another. Tell the truth. All right, the second principle. Be angry and don't sin. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. All I'm going to tell you this here is this. Don't let your anger last. Don't, don't, don't stay angry for weeks and months at a time over something. He actually said, be angry, be upset, but don't sin. Don't let it, don't let it lead you. Don't, don't fall into sin because you got mad. 
Some people get mad with their mate and go out and sleep with somebody or go out and take drugs. Their anger led them into further sin. I tell you what, she'll treat me like that. I'm mad. I tell you, I know I'm going to get back. Now you're sinning. He said, be angry, no sin. Get mad, get upset. Be honest, say, look, I'm upset about this. Then find a place of peace in your heart and forgive. Okay, that's the second principle. Number three, neither give place to the devil. That means don't allow the devil to work in your life. That means keep him unemployed. When it comes to you as a believer, the devil ought to be in the unemployment line. Actually, the word in Hebrews 2, 2 and 14 says that Jesus destroyed him that had the power of death. That is the devil. The word destroy means to make inoperative. It means to unemploy. It means to make of none effect. So when I saw that word unemployed, I kind of skipped over and said, that don't make no sense to me. How are you unemployed the devil? No, for every believer, the devil ought to be unemployed. That when he come around you wanting to work, Looking for work, you ought to say, ain't no work here. Go back in the unemployment line. Because you have the authority to say no. You have the authority to choose life and blessing. You have the authority to reject the curse and death and to tell Satan no. And the scripture tells us to resist him, rebuke him, bind him, cast him out, trample him underneath your feet. I even found the scripture in Psalms that you can push him down. Just push him out the way. I done slid him aside a lot of times. Just get out of the way. Keep him on the, in the unemployment line. When he wants to work in your life and he has to offer you suggestions and he wants you to do things, say, nope, I'm not doing that. You ain't working here. So you can't give him a job. Don't let him have a job in your life. God has given you the authority to keep him out of your life, out of your 